Welcome back to another bonus episode of the Cousin Cecil Show, where it's Wednesday. So you know what that means. It's new comic book day. So that means I am here with another comic book creator interview. And this week I got a, a pretty cool one that uh, his book that he uh, co-created for Scout Comics by the Horn has just got kind of like the green light to become an ongoing series through them. And I'm just more happy to have him. Uh, come on, please. Uh, welcome. Marquisan Nasso, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Mike. Thanks for having me on. Thanks. Uh, it was more like, kind of like how I just kind of tiptoed into it. More congratulations because last time I checked, this was just obviously kind of brand new news that obviously By the Horns got picked up to be kind of like an ongoing series. Like, and um, what was like the fi- what was supposed to be the final pay- book issue? Uh, well, originally it was six issues. Uh, but then I added a seventh issue because uh, actually originally when I first conceived the idea for it, it was going to be seven issues. But we cut it back to six because Jason, we didn't know how the book was going to do. And yeah. Jason needs to do some paid work. You know, he has to take a break usually and do some of that and then come back to the comics. But uh, I had a, a dream for that seventh issue that I knew I wanted to do. And um, I basically wrote that in my dreams and I told Jason about it. And said that we have to add a seventh issue. And once I told him what it was about, he was all on board. And then, um, you know, we we kept sending each other messages about stories that we wanted to tell for By the Horns, texting each other, emailing each other, and uh, just had so many different ideas for this book and how it could continue. And so we just talked to Scout about that, and they they really wanted us to to continue the book. And um, so we decided that we were going to do that, but we wanted to add another issue on top of that. So we, we brought the first arc to eight so we could seed some of the other things that we uh, we want to do that we talked about that maybe yeah. we didn't really um, we didn't make it prominent in the original arc, you know, because we didn't know that we were going to have all that extra space to be able to put uh, new material, new stories in. Right. And then obviously. Because obviously I jumped the gun on it a little bit. Let's take a step back for the listeners. And of course, let's uh, describe what is by the horn, like obviously like the elevator pitch of the the series. Right. Well, um, by the horns is basically the last unicorn meets Kill Bill. So it's a sci-fi fantasy action series about a hunter named Elodie. And she wants to kill all the unicorns on the continent of Salafis for trampling her husband. Um, the problem is that it's impossible to find unicorns. So Elodie just starts murdering anything out there with a horn in frustration. Um, and unfortunately for her, all that monster hunting affects her standing at the farming village of Wayfarer, uh, where she lives. And she gets exiled for neglecting to help the community. So she sets out with her friend, Sajin, who's this uh, telepathic half-wolf, half-deer. And they try to make one last go at uh, tracking down unicorns and, and, and getting revenge. But they end up uh, discovering that there's an even greater threat to the world out there than unicorns. So the steer- series is really about, I mean, it's about stabbing horned monsters, but it's also about a woman who feels like all she has left in her life is this revenge. And she has to decide what's more important to her, just getting back at unicorns or you know, standing up for the larger community and stopping this massive looming threat uh, to the continent. Okay. That also explains a lot more to uh, 
you then have a pretty good first issue because I ain't gonna lie, I was I was been fortunate enough to read from two on. I've been able to read two, three, and four, and I'm like I've been reading it and I'm like, yeah, this is really good, and I'm like this last issue without spoiling it for the listeners because it's pretty recent, but there was a little conversation in the hot tub or like in the the was the hot springs hot springs yeah and then she did like that i'm like that's some serious talk for them just hanging out and like no way we're not going to be friends i'm like oh okay but now that explains it more and no um yes by the horns of course like you said it's a um medieval fantasy with a, a little also uh tech because th- uh one of my f- one of my favorite uh characters you have is that uh Evelyn, the floating eyeball with the gun. Right. Uh, yep. I think also I'm a <laughs> a sucker for it because Evelyn is my daughter's first name. <laughs> oh, nice. So yes, yeah, so I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then, uh, but no, it uh, it's been catching on. And then I haven't, I had didn't have time in the past couple episodes of the regular show to review episode or issue four. But it's like it's going to get a four out of five on next week. Like you know by the time recording has published but no it has been it's been really strong the series has been very strong for like you just you bet you did basically explain how i've been reading it to myself without that one issues step like oh it is basically uh that explains a lot about like the kill bill reference i'm like oh and then i didn't even i didn't even catch on yet about like she's killing everything with a horn i'm like oh that's very interesting. <laughs> well, you, have you read the first issue since? Not yet. Oh. So I ain't going to lie. I um, This is one thing about Scout. I wish Scout Comics had their digital comics on Comixology because I like having it all in one little you know pool of digital digitalness. Well, it's happening. It's just it's taking a little time. But it, they, the titles will be on Comixology at some point. So hopefully soon. That uh, Spoiler. You're probably the only one of the few creators of Scout that knows that yet, because I've I've had talks with other ones who are like, I hope it comes soon. But yes, <laughs> but no. Mm-hmm. Um, how about also let's also get into you. What got you into comics? How do you? Um, I was even assuming like a lot. You probably read them when you're growing up, but also like what leads you to the path to get into writing. Uh, well, I've been a writer all my life. I went to school for writing. Um, and of course I grew up loving comic books. Um, but I actually, I really didn't start writing comic books until my late thirties. I guess I went to this uh, comic book convention called Morrison con. I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but, uh, it was a, it was a comic con for Grant Morrison and it was set in Las Vegas and they had all these creators who were there uh, as well, like Jason Aaron, um, and the cool thing about that con is it wasn't like a traditional con where you would go and you hear the news about upcoming comics and sit in sessions. It was more about the creative process behind comic books. You got to hang out with the creators and play games with them and, you know, ask them questions and have more of a, an intimate uh, setting for a comic book convention. I haven't really seen many of these. There's just that one. And there was another one called Fable Town and Beyond, which was also really good. So what I liked about that is it, it really encouraged a community of people who were interested in, in creating things, not just comic books, but any kind of art. And uh, in fact, there was a comic book, an anthology that came out of that convention. I did not contribute to it, um, but 
just the fact that people got together and decided that they wanted to try to make a go at creating comic books kind of inspired me to get off my ass and just, you know, work on some of these stories that have been uh, bubbling in my head for years and years. You know, you kind of get trapped in that routine life and working and you don't always try to do the things you'd really like to do. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I had a bunch of stories and, uh, um, my friend, uh, Jason who draws by the horns and he also did uh, voracious, our previous book, he was a guy I met like, I don't know now it's probably like 15 years ago. Um, he was working at a comic book store and he was an artist and, uh, he went to school. I didn't see him for another 10 years, but a friend of ours had started up this comic book and wanted me to help him write it. And, uh, so I worked on that a little bit with him and this other guy, but having three writers on it was just, it was too many writers. And I, I kind of failed on that project. It's like, it's your idea. You know, you can do it if you need some advice or whatever. I'm happy to give you input, but I think I'm going to try to do my own thing. But in the process, he had sent some of what we worked on to Jason who had graduated from art school. And so, um, when that project fell through, I contacted Jason cause I saw stuff and it looked so good. And uh, I just said, hey, you want to get some beers? I have some ideas for comics. Maybe we can work on something together. And that's how we came to do Voracious. Uh, so that was our first book, and we got that in Action Lab. And, you know, that was a, a pretty good success for us. And we got to do three volumes oh, nice. of that like the, and do a complete story, which is unusual for new, new creators. And uh, now we got the new book, By the Horns. So... It's uh, it's been a really cool ride. I didn't think that I would do this much with comics, but I'm really excited about it. Really, uh, jazz that I get to be in this industry and and get all these stories out there in my head. I'm glad. I'm I'm also. That's kind of cool to hear another like. It's like a, you had a really decent success story in the sense of like you know you did one book, but you got to do the full story, and then we're looking at the tea leaves in my eyes of by the horns where the hey we're gonna have, let you be ongoing. So assuming then you can, you know, get a full story off this second book and be like two for two. That's really excellent to have under your belt off the get, you know, in your starting of the career stuff. You know what I'm saying? No. Yeah. It's great because, um, I, we pitched, we pitched voracious as a long form story, which you probably shouldn't do when you're getting into comics. You should stay to stick to short things, you know, mini series, three, four issues, but um, we were a little bit more ambitious and we re we didn't know if we were going to be able to do more. And unfortunately people kept picking up the book and action lab gave us the green light. And it's kind of the same thing with by the horns, except this one, I kind of tailored it to be a mini series. Of course I have other ideas for it, but I wanted to just tell the one story and not have to worry about, um, you know, what comes afterwards and not have to worry about, you know, would we be able to do it? Yeah. Uh, but fortunately, you know, By the Horns has been a great seller for Scout and uh, people seem to really dig it. And uh, yeah, we just get, I feel like we're just getting a lot more uh, buzz for this book than we ever did for Voracious. So um, I'm really happy that we get to, to go on. We've got about maybe four or five arcs for this, this book. Nice. And uh, now that we have the extra issue uh, in the first arc, the first volume, uh, you'll see that there's a lot more seeds planted for, for stories down the road. So, Oh, excellent. No, it, that's, it is definitely a, how do I word it? It's one of the more enjoyable 
like that fantasy world that I've read in a while. It's not how would I word it? Fantasy is not even that much my bag, but by the horns for some reason, maybe it's just uh I ain't gonna lie, it's it's it goes pretty fast. We're going into action into this boss, and then another little thing happens at the end that goes we're going into that into the next issue, and it's been really a fun ride and like um how you probably written it like you've written like the all the little sidekicks all are great and they all have their own little personalities or like especially uh without even like you have obviously she is working with two of her probably not so ever she ever imagined her working together with but obviously two of the last unicorns you know it was very interesting to see their like yin and yang of like being friends but also like dumb and dumber so like has been pretty enjoyable about that and then uh just more also, so with that Grant Morrison thing, is that pop, would you say Grant Morrison's probably like your uh, favorite writer that uh, you look up to? Uh, no, actually, uh, I just I really wanted to go to that convention. I like Grant Morrison a lot. I wouldn't say he's my favorite favorite writer. Um, my favorite writer was Warren Ellis, but then all this stuff came up oh. about him um, and women and just being a despicable human being. And so it's been hard for me to, uh, to deal with that because, uh, that guy was such a sentimental, not, not an influence, but really made me adore comics for a long time. Right. Um, the first writer and the writer that I always kind of look to, uh, is Peter David. And when he was working on the Hulk years ago and his Aquaman runs, Supergirl, um, I just, I love his stories, his uh, sense of drama, but humor. I love the mix, the interplay that he, uh, he puts in all of his, his work. And he's doing the Maestro now, and that, that's been a great uh, two miniseries. So um, that's, that guy's been, a, I would say him and uh, Garth Ennis is really a, a big writer for me. Um, but yeah. No, that's good. And that's cool to hear because like, a friend of mine just picked up that maestro. I haven't got to read it yet, but no, I um just more curious. And then also, uh, I was I was looking through your uh, Twitter, and obviously you you also for a person how I I just read that you said you uh you kind of just said it. You took a little bit to get into comics because of obviously you know lives and stuff, but then also I do see that you're running a record label, like that broken. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Skull Fracture Records. So when, when we were doing By the Horns, when I do comic books, when I did Voracious, I didn't know if it was going to be the only comic book I ever did. Right. So we put a lot into that book. We did, we did signings at butcher shops. We had recipes in every single issue. We had restaurants contribute to that. You know, we made aprons. I mean, we tried to do a lot of different cool, fun things for the book because we wanted to kind of make it an event. And obviously we were at a smaller publisher and now right. scouts a little bit bigger but with uh, by the horns i also want to do that too because to me it's like a celebration i get to do a comic i get to do another comic i want to make it big i want to make a big splash and i want to do everything i can because who knows it could be the last one i ever do right so for that um i wanted to do a soundtrack i love metal and i uh, have a lot of uh, uh friends who play music and, and metal bands because uh, i'm on the metalheads podcast i was good i was gonna get to that i was gonna say like for a person how you just said that you're like oh yeah i do those little things oh when i write a book i also start a record little thing so i can make a soundtrack i'm like oh okay yeah. 
what? I really wanted to do a soundtrack, and I I never see metal for soundtracks. I, I don't count the, the the Dark Knight Batman thing because there's no metal actually on that soundtrack. Um, so I never see metal, and I never see songs that are actually written for a comic book. So the the two songs that we have on the 45 that we put out for By the Horns uh, with Arctic Sleep, um, they're written specifically for the comic book. I need a, I, okay. I need a. Are they on Spotify? Those two songs? Uh, I'm not sure if they're on Spotify. They're on Bandcamp, which is my preferred platform because okay. Spotify I can go on there too. Bandcamp is way better. Spotify just is terrible to artists. Bandcamp is a lot better to artists. They give them the bulk of the the funds made. And you I'm sorry, I'm a noob. I don't know that much. About yeah, that. yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, school, I'm schooling you, man. <laughs> schooling you. And Bandcamp uh, actually has higher quality files too, so you can get FLAC and lossless files, which is a lot better uh, if you're an audiophile than than Spotify. So. Um, I don't, it's could be up there. I'm not sure if Keith, Keith D who is uh, the mastermind behind Arctic sleep, he may have put it up there, but, um, I don't really go on Spotify that much, but so we did the soundtrack and I, I wanted to press it on vinyl cause I just wanted to do something special with it. And it comes with a limited edition comic book. And, um, so I just decided I was going to make a record label, you know, <laughs> for it as well. So we did that release. And then I put out another release for another one of my projects. I wrote a, a prose story uh, for this anthology called Apex World of Dinosaurs. And so um, Ash and Horde, which is a, a black metal, progressive black metal band, did a, did a, like a theme song for the lead character in that story. And then uh, uh, they had a B side that they, uh, that we put on uh, with a little mini, mini album, like an EP. And then I um, put out a cassette tape for that one. So yeah, you so, animal, you animal. Because I was good. I was going to ask you then before you got into the apex of the dinosaur. I was going to say, what is what brings metal and fantasy world together in like these weird shaking hands of like? I always think of like there's always those. Uh, we go back into like more heavy, like well, seventies heavy metal. So you have like you know Led Zeppelin and going talking about um, like the Hobbit and stuff. But like, what brings that metal feeling and some people always involve like sometimes they involve like, you know, the elves lore and all that stuff into their, into the fantasy of the metal. What, where does that come from? Do you know? I, I mean, I think that metal in, in fantasy and, and that kind of medieval stuff works well together because metal music is just so epic, you know, it's just so sweeping. Um, yeah. You have a lot of heavy parts, but uh, metal just has, so many different changes, tempo changes, feelings, emotions in it. You know, it can be some of the most beautiful music you've ever heard. It, it kind of evokes these kind of vistas of fantasy landscapes. And, you know, it's tough as hell. So what do you think of? Like, uh, when you think of metal, you put it on, it's like Conan the Barbarian or, you know, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. So I think, um, and also I think metal is, it's not mainstream. You know, uh, well, people think of certain bands as being yeah. metal that aren't really metal. But if you're really a metalhead, the stuff that I listen to, like, it's not in the mainstream. People don't know about that stuff. So I think there's a sense of like, um, you know, when you used to, well, when I used to play D and D, you know, I was young. That was something you were kind of in the outskirts, you know, of society. It wasn't something that was that everybody did. Yeah. You know, it's like a, like you're a skater, you're, you're, you're into heavy music, you know, it's not the popular thing to do. 
And I think some of those kind of genres um, that maybe not didn't always get their due in the mainstream is another part of uh, what makes up uh, a good metal tune and, and why metal kind of like uh, works so well with it. What's your favorite subgenre of metal? Because I know there's many different genres of metal. Yeah, I mean, I'm a little torn. I love death metal a lot. Uh, <laughs> death metal is probably my favorite, but I'm, I mean, I'm into so many different kinds. Progressive metal, uh, doom metal. I really like doom a lot. So, um, yeah, and black metal. Black metal has been something that's really come to the forefront for me uh, in the last, I don't know, maybe five years or so, because just I feel like there's more put into it now than just straight black metal of the the old school style you know there's just a lot more color and variation in it that uh, that i like but i would say that's true for for most uh metal subgenres but i was uh i grew up in the the weird age where uh i had like not weird i correct how i say it but, like i was listening to, like uh fear factory and like uh i had a uh, i was into the skating thing and I was more of a Bam Margera fan, so which leads you into him. But also, he also had those like mixed sample tapes. So of course, I got into Cradle of Filth, and um, I don't want to say their names one, but like Dimmu Bior or something. The other like Scandinavian mm-hmm. metal, if you want to call it like that, I guess it would be the genre. But no, I. So I'm not. It's just been so long, and I was the when you when you have a kids in the house and you're trying to they they, they didn't hear it before you're like whoa <laughs> <And that's>, <laughs> yeah i mean it's not it's not for everybody you know people always ask me about it now because they know i'm so into metal and and they they want to try it and and uh so th- it's interesting because i'll give recommendations but there's so many different kinds of metal like like this band here ex imperatus like death metal all growled vocals like really deep just heavy guitars so people aren't going to be into into that band but there's a lot of bands that have sung vocals and some of the best vocalists in the world are in metal and uh so you you know you can get behind that especially doom can you get can you give anybody a just a recommendation for an entry level not like, you know, mainstream metal, but yeah, like one of these either death or black metal. Like, can you give somebody here, listen to X artist. Can you give us a recommendation? Um, You know, there's a new album that just came out. I love this band. Uh, the band's called Unrequited and uh, the album's called Beautiful Ghosts. And um, it's black metal, but it's it's breathtakingly gorgeous. It's transcendent. It's like... um. It's, it's kind of like a if somebody stabbed you with a spectral blade in your heart and then it rooted and, and grew into flowers inside you. <laughs> That's what it sounds like to me. And, uh, but it's just beautiful. It has like these uh, orchestra arrangements to it. And a lot of it's almost even instrumental or the vocals, which are they're like growled or shrieked, but they're in the background almost. So it's almost like um, another instrument. I mean, a voice is another instrument, but it kind of blends more into the music. So I think that's something that people might like if they, if they like um, something with a real emotional quality, like an orchestral quality to it. Um, I think that's great. I um, also, what am I, I do oh, enjoy ahead. your voice. 
is very smooth and calm and collective. And you're talking about, yeah, when you stab a dagger into your heart and it plants a beautiful bouquet. And just, I'm like, oh, wow, smooth. <laughs> yeah, I'm known for, for doing that on the Metalheads podcast, just a kind of a describing things in, in, in lush ways. So um, I would say that another band I really like, and they have a new album coming out this year, is a Chemis, K-H-E-M-M-I-S. And uh, they do doom metal, uh, but it has a it has a rock feel to it in some places. But it, I mean, it's definitely metal. Uh, most of the vocals are sung, um, and they're the singer Phil is just he's just a terrific singer. They do have some growled parts in it, but mostly it's sung vocals, and it just has um, just it's very um, emotionally uplifting in a lot of places. Yeah. You know, it can be ugly and like dirty with the guitars, but a lot of it just um, just sends my heart soaring. And those songs, and uh, I can't wait for the for the new album because I feel like every single album they do, it just it uh, touches me a little bit more. Um, that one always puts me through all the emotions. That band, I think they're just really good at capturing at capturing. That's what I like a lot about metal, because people think it's always about just aggression, and that's yeah. not that's not the case. Um, so yeah, Chemist is a really great band. I'm going to tag you later when that comes out because when you said. I, that's I think my thing. I like the metal, of course, all the instruments, but I do like that sung lyrics because of just my ear. I don't mind growling at some spots, but like you know, when the whole thing's growling, I'm like, I want to know what you're, si- you're saying to me so much yeah. better, so I can feel it. So when I hear sung with some growl, I'm like, okay, I might get into the chemist. Try try a a band you might like is a uh, Black Sites. S-I-T-E-S, Black Sites, two words. Um, all their vocals are sung. It has a very, it's very, um, it's metal and rock combined. It's, it's very uh, aggressive and melodic. But uh, I think that one's a good good transition band, I would say. If you like like a hard rock and you're looking to, to try some metal, that, that's a band I would recommend, Black I'll Sites. In, I'll look into that too. I because um what is it? I like how this this curve into just talking about music. I like that. I like um, uh, but it's uh, what's the word? I do enjoy. There was a moment in time before I moved down here. There was a radio station. It's a long story short, it's like a Christian radio station, but Christian rock bands. There's a lot that have been coming out of there that has like metal, um, uh, influences. that have been really doing really good jobs. Maybe they're more the I don't even know the words. They're probably more alt rock more than anything. But like I was, I've been, there were some really enjoyment ones. I can't remember off the top of my head. There was one off the get go, but no, I was just more even like for people who listen, like you can even go from there's, they might call black metal, but like it's all through the whole spectrum. Everybody does it. It's really, really cool to see that. That's also another thing. Maybe it's me being more included into pop culture. That is the pop and hip hop. So like, it's really, I've, I've been feeling a little, uh, stagnant on rock music lately because I don't have like, I guess your site. And you just said, and you said something so perfectly, but I like a dagger that turns into a bouquet in my heart right now. <laughs> so I'm like, man, that sounds really good. So I need to get into, maybe I have to switch, maybe I have to switch my, uh, listening service get off a uh, spot i go to band camp maybe that's where the secret's at <laughs> yeah i mean i mean most metal bands are on there i mean i think they might be on spotify too but uh but yeah Bandcamp. you know i'm all about supporting artists 
And Bandcamp's the best way to do that. They've been doing this thing called Bandcamp Friday too. So I believe it's the first, maybe it's, I can't remember if it's the first or last Friday of every month. I think it might be the first. First Friday of every month, all the sales go to the labels and the artists. So I've, I've been buying a ton of stuff on there and we get a lot of free music, but I still buy a ton because of the metalheads. We get, we get promos all the time for, for bands and stuff. Cause we do a lot of interviews and that, but um, yeah, Bandcamp's wonderful. I, I think it's just a great, great music service, but um, yeah, people say rock is dead and I'm like, yeah, cause you don't listen to metal. <laughs> if you listen to metal, you'd know that, it's not like guitar based music is definitely not dead. There's, there's a lot of great bands. They're just not in the, in the mainstream. They're just not popular, but, um, you know, there's some of the best and most creative music I've ever heard is coming out right now. I need to, I need to get back into my, my roots of that, but back into the actual, cause you kind of said as a person who was able to, Enjoy your books because of a uh, scout. Give them to me very nicely. I'm going to do what you said. I'm also going to go uh, order the books that, or at least I'm going. I need to at least get issue one, and then I'm probably by wait for this trade because I think it'll be maybe the easier way through do it because I know uh scout. Well, no, there's plenty. Of, I have plenty of time. I can get issue one through four, then just have my local comic shop order the rest. But uh, we'll get back into the comics side of it. Uh, okay. If you got to pick, like a or excuse me, what character would you like to have the opportunity to do a? Well, judging by how you write, um, how about like a like a ten issue arc on from any of the either from the big two or like a, in like you know what I mean. Is there a do you like the superhero side of comics or you kind of stick to more the indie side of the comics? Uh, I like both. I like both. I mean, I don't have as I'm not like a lot of other writers who have the ambitions to write superhero comics. I guess you're not you're not the only one because I've I've talked to others that said I don't even want to touch the big any of those things. I mean, I get it and I get it. I mean, I have a Thor story well, because I love Thor? Thor. Oh yeah, and I could do that. I don't even need to do it for Thor. Uh, but I have a really good Thor story, and um, I, I tend to like um, the street heroes a lot. Um, Thor's not obviously, but I like Moon Knight. I really love Moon Knight a lot. Uh, uh, Batman, uh, Daredevil's my favorite superhero character. So, um, but I don't have a right now. I don't have like a burning desire to to, to write those characters at all. I, you know, no, I like playing them in my own um, worlds. Uh, not that I wouldn't, but. Um, but yeah, so I don't have like a, a 10 issue arc. I love sci-fi too. So maybe something like Silver Surfer would be really fun. Um, I tend to write more sci-fi. I've noticed that. So I'm working on pitches for some other companies now. And um, uh, almost all my stuff is sci-fi with a little bit of horror in there as well. Oh, there is one character I would love to write. Man-Thing. Man-Thing's pretty go. metal. So I would do that. You don't see enough of the like the monsters. You no, know, I guess there's a Swamp Thing series coming out right now that uh, Ram V is doing. Yeah, he um, it's 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 um it's killing it right now. It's been a really good read. I've been enjoying that one too. Man Thing, I always liked that character. I like the weirder characters too. 
So that would be fun to do, especially because there's not that much done with that character. Like you yeah. go into a Daredevil, I mean, there's so much been done with Daredevil, and most of the Daredevil stories have been great. So that, I mean, I think it's hard to come in and uh, you know put your stamp on it. Not that you, that you can't come up with um, a really good storyline, but to to make it you know your own and really stand out. So I kind of like I would like to tool around with some of the the characters who are lesser known or have less stories if, if I was going to do that. Right. And then also just wondering, just wondering if was there anything during this uh, setup or the pitch moments of by the horns that maybe was changed? Like was don't have to be just about Evelyn, but like, you know, like Evelyn is a floating eyeball with tendons. Uh, was she ever, was she always that was she or something? Was there somebody else that was something like a different character style that was changed during the hmm. setup? Uh, well, that's interesting. Um, no, Evelyn was always the floating eyeball with the, the, <laughs> the tentacles. Yeah, that never changed. None of the characters. The only thing that really changed, I would say, is that when Jason and I first started talking about By the Horns and I pitched him the concept for it, it was a straight fantasy book. And um, we finished up Voracious and we came back to it and decided we want to work on it. I changed the story to incorporate technology into it. Because I just like that. I like to give it a little bit of extra, this like worn technology just thrown in there into the mix where it's not overt. It's not like the dominant form. Like we're mostly medieval, but there's these splatterings of technology. And I, I just like that. I thought it gave it a little bit of a, a different feel uh, than, than what I had seen with some other fantasy books. Of course, that's been done before, but um, so that changed a lot. And I think because of that, some of the writing changes I had to incorporate some of that technology, but it also, it helped a lot because it gave me some other ideas that I, that I would not have had the, uh, the opportunity to do in the book with characters um, and uh, the world and uh, even the, even the, the wizards and stuff, because they're all based on ancient wind gods from, from different, different mythologies. Yeah. And that was always the case. But um, you know, when Jason originally drew them, they were, you know, based on those old myths. But then when I brought the technology to the book, Jason wanted to do the redesign. And so you can see like Futin in the, in the second issue, the first wizard that they yes. fight, he's got the mechanical arms. And um, so I just love that mix. I think Jason really liked it too. He actually doesn't like drawing technology that much. He wanted to get away from that and do fantasy. So, uh, but he's so good at it. Now, you had to do a little push. You, you, you knew what's best for him. You knew what's best as a friend. You're like, you like, yeah. you got to do it. Yeah. And I mean, I think he, he, he had a fun time coming up with those designs because he gets to incorporate something you, you might not have seen before in there instead of just doing a straight fantasy book. So, But the characters themselves, uh, yeah, they haven't changed. None of them are really changed from, from in my head. Uh, I always knew that they were going to be in there from the beginning. And okay. uh you know, some new characters, you won't see them uh, until like the second arc or maybe towards the end. Um, you know, these kind of developed because we knew it was going to be an ongoing. I've been thinking about it for a while, but then once uh, Scout decided they wanted to make the book an ongoing, then starting to flesh out some of these other characters that are going to come into the book. That That's pretty fun. So they weren't there from the very beginning. but Right. Um, that will even, because I want to touch base on that part, because 
that's what brought my I'm like, you know, what? I want to talk to them about this because like everybody I've talked to is Ozzy. They either have like, yeah, we're set up for we only have doing one arc. Like just so like, you know, uh, then they got the green light. We're going to get to do volume two. But yours is obviously an ongoing of volume one. And you got the green light to be co- just continue it and keep going. Uh, you said it was set up for seven issues it was approved and then now the ongoing got you eight and then obviously more and more but um did that change so does is issue eight the the pivot into ongoing or like did did any of the the framework have to get changed because now you're switching to ongoing that's maybe might affected issue six you know what i'm saying yeah yeah i mean uh that's why we we added the extra issue so okay. we kind of extended the first arc. So we were going to tell the story through. It's now eight issues for the first arc. Yeah. It's going to be six. Then it was seven. Now it's eight. So we kind of expanded it a little bit. Um, cause when you, when you're a newer creator and you have a mini series, you don't know if it's going to be successful. Right. So sometimes, um, there's a tendency to like to compress it, you know, uh, because you want to get everything in. And, uh, so it's nice to be able to not, do that as much kind of like build it out a little bit so i could make uh, the finale a little bit uh, more bombastic than than originally planned yeah and again like i i just felt like i wanted to seed a couple more things a couple more subplots so that it would take us into um the second arc there's already some when i write everything matters in my books so when you see issue five when that comes out you're going to probably want to read the first four issues because stuff comes up from those. I don't really waste space in my comic books. So, um, and even the choices that I make of why characters do what they do, there's like a reason for it. Yeah. So, uh, so it's nice to be able to like build that out a little bit more, show a little bit more with some of the characters in it. And, um, issue six was, I think it's the best issue I've written and um, it's all a flashback issue. So that's kind of nice to be able to do that. That was something that I, like I said before I uh, pitched to Jason, cause I just felt like we had to do it. It was just necessary to the arc. This is before the ongoing was announced and he agreed. And um, so, so yeah, so it changed a little bit because we get to, to flesh out some more of the, the story and the characters. And I think just build a better uh, big finale in issue eight. So issue eight will come out, and then um, a couple months after that, the trade's going to drop with one through eight in the trade, and then a couple months after that, we'll be back with issue nine. And uh, we could have launched with another number one, um, but I prefer to just keep going. Yeah. And uh, I mean, my goal would be to have the longest running Scout series ever. That that'd you be know? great. That'd be cool because that's, I think that's definitely more for that's what these. Um, independent creators want i would why would yeah why would you want to do another issue one where you can say no i have a series that went up to issue 50 yeah well again i mean for new creators it's just hard to do that oh no no yeah i'm just talking about even for just even by the horns or even like you just said because like that's the that's where also the conversation i'm more happy to get you on and we talk about a positive thing that's where we get into like the small creators that even had the had the okay to do ten issues, and then they had a they were like, sorry, we had to cancel it by eight. So can you wrap it up right. in, at the eight issue? I'm like, oof. So I'm just more happy to hear like the opposite. 
so that you went from yeah we from issue um, eight we're actually gonna get to sprout out more story into this fantasy world and more so that's awesome to hear but yes mm -hmm. yeah no it's it's really cool and uh i'm excited about it and uh i'm having a blast just coming up with new stories and jason always texts me and he likes to send me um scenarios or environments that he wants to draw because uh, you know he really likes he likes to make different scenes he likes to take the characters to different places so he always asks me if i can incorporate certain things in the book and i usually do i usually can you know if it fits with the story uh or if i can make it fit in a way that's seamless then then i try to incorporate that no and i'm uh I am more happy to hear even like you said, like issue six is one of your favorite ones to write at this first volume, because that's another question. I'm like, Oh, what's your favorite one to write? And what was your favorite one to read? Is there, do you actually have a more, is there another issue in the first volume that you actually prefer? Like you really love to read or see compared to the, how you said six was your favorite one. I mean, I, I like um, the action oriented issues. I really like um, because I get to see Jason Andre, just really explode with that. So um, Jason's drawing issue eight right now. And I think that's probably going to be my favorite one to read because it ends everything. Yes. You know, I spent a lot of time on that script. I wrote it like six times and um, it has just tremendous action sequences in it. And Jason's doing some really cool layouts that he's never tried before. So I think that one is going to be, the one I want to read the most. It's not finished yet. I've seen all the thumbnails for it because Jason will draw out the rough sketches for it. And then I look at him and, you know, we make any adjustments before he goes in to, to actually draw the whole issue. But, um, but like issue two, I love the fight scene in there. Um, I love uh, uh, four has a really great fight scene just came out, uh, especially because of Andre's colors in there. Like Jason's artwork is amazing, but Andre doing the, the nighttime uh, with all the fire everywhere. Just really cool. And um, I just love, I think we do a lot of unique things like ripping off the horns of the unicorns and forging weapons. Like, I don't think that's ever been done. You know, you mentioned Evelyn having the gun. So, I, you know, never seen a floating eyeball with a gun before. Right. So I think we just do a lot of cool, fun fantasy elements uh, for action. And so I like to see that out in the page. Right. Oh, no, yeah. I mean, I, all our issues have action in them, but you know, some of the bigger ones I really like. I really like seeing those. That that is definitely a your guys's thing of like when people say by the horns. No, they they you guys do like these very out of left field things. Like, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be able to take the horns off the uh, uh, unicorns and use make a shield a weapon or the two uh, flowing like you know daggers to throw in you know all that stuff. It was, uh, it's very uh, fun reading. I think you also hit on the head because, uh, more, uh, we can also give them all the shout outs because I think I have them all right here. I'm more impressed to see that Jason does the lettering also and the design because, I mean, that's some, I've heard some recent ones, but, you know, be able to say, yeah, Jason does the art and does the lettering for the, sh the book is, uh, taking two, two jobs at once. I'm like, whew. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a big responsibility, but it, you know, it just came out of necessity because uh, it's expensive to make books. So when we're doing voracious, you know, we could have hired a letter, but we're always have, we have to hire the colorist 
because people don't realize like some of these smaller publishers, you, you pay for everything up front. Maybe yeah. you make something on the back end, but and we didn't really make anything on Voracious except for like at conventions and stuff like that. Now with Scout, it's a lot different, you know, uh, we are seeing some returns on that, which is great, but we have to still pay Andre up front uh, for all the colors. Yeah. So Jason's like, I think I could try doing lettering. So I actually ended up buying Jason a book on lettering <laughs> and he, uh, you know, he studied it and, uh, you know, I think he's done a great job with the lettering, but there's still things that we, um, there's rules for lettering that we didn't realize, you know, back in the day. And we still kind of, um, we're still figuring that out. I think, uh, I think we almost have it all down, but, uh, yeah, Jason's gotten really good at the lettering. It's a, it's a lot of work for him. It's a really a lot of work for him. And he, I mean, he can do a monthly book, but then he has to do the lettering and we always put extra elements into our books too. And a lot of that's, um, more work on Jason's end. Like for example, if you notice our logo changes every issue. So it has the <laughs> two yes. different creatures on it. Everything is you. No one else does that. That's like another extra element that, uh, we just want to put in our book cause we love it so much. We want to give you something more. Um, we always have back matter in the books, you know, and uh, we have a whole map in the very front since the beginning. And, uh, so we, we put a lot of design work and, just thought into into what we're doing um, to try to make the best book we possibly can. So I, yeah, a lot yeah. of that that heavy lifting is Jason's. You're working on like a like a like a, <laughs> a dead horse, like oh, because I'm looking at it right now. Because I ain't gonna lie, like for listeners, I'm on from the way from this camera, which they ain't gonna even see the camera, but um, just seeing the difference of lettering. Because you said, what are some of the what are some of the things that you guys are found out being the, you guys' own letterers? Well, I'm, I'm doing by the horns. We didn't realize that um, for eyes, there's crossbars on eyes when it's like the personal pronoun eyes. So like I, I'm, I've, you put the crossbars on, but you don't put crossbars on I on everything else. Okay, so most lettering, everything's in capital letters, right? Yes. Um, you don't have to do that. You know, you can do lowercase, but most is all in capitals. So yeah. So an I in something like live, the word live would have no crossbars on it. And uh, it's not something I don't think most people would notice, you know, unless you're a letter or you're in the industry, I guess. But, um, you know, we didn't, we didn't even realize it. So that's something we had to correct and, you know, to go back and do the editing. One thing I do see as a person who do, I, I read a lot. So I've been noticing nothing with you guys, but I am interested in understanding why some letter, like some words get highlighted. Like for this one in particular, like, like one says, this will protect us from lava. And like, I was this one is darker than the rest of it. And like on the other one says like, Oh, they're, I guess the, your horn, like they're your horns. So I'm assuming that just more to show, uh, I guess, you know what I mean? It, it emphasizes the word. Yes. Like you, like when you're talking, you emphasize a, bit, a particular word. So uh, if it's bold like that, it just means that, that she's emphasizing that in her speech. So it's the way you read it. Mm. It affects the way you read it, you know? They're your horns, you know what I mean? Yeah. No, that's where, okay, that even makes it more easier. No, I just like to hear that stuff because I do like that little tricks of the trade information too. But no, you know, uh, I think that's probably it about just more if you would if you i guess 
Is there anything you could possibly tease either for the end of volume one or even like uh, maybe like the little snippet uh, breadcrumbs for volume two? Of course, you don't have to spoil spoil, but you know, like what is something uh, we're going to get into as a person who will say this, like, hey, volume issue four is out here. Here's some more things you can find out about. Uh, Well, issue five is a really big issue. Yeah, there, there's a lot of um, plot twists in that one. So, like I said, uh, you know, the issues before it kind of matter. So, I think that um, if you think that we were like playing it safe or we were going to go on a specific trajectory, you'll see that that might not be the case. Uh, and then um, issue six is the flashbacks. You're going to get to see um, whatever what actually happened. Uh, with Elodie and her husband Shintaro, and um, you're you're going to get a backstory for Sajin. So for people who are wondering about that, you're you're going to get that story in one issue. It's a self-contained issue. It's almost like a zero issue, to be honest with you. Um, and uh, so I'm really really proud of that that particular issue. And because uh, you've only seen you've seen um, Elodie's nightmares about what happened to Shintaro. But as we know with nightmares, you know, it's not always completely accurate. You know, you're, it's a dream. You're thinking about what you wanted to happen or, or what you imagine being the worst possible thing that could have happened. So what actually happened? You'll find that out in six. And then, um, then we just build towards the, the big finale. And, uh, all I can say is, um, issue eight is huge. It's a f- extra pages and, um, <laughs> Jason's is going to do some of the best. I already think he's one of the best artists in comics, but I think when he finally finishes that issue, some of the action sequences in that are just going to hopefully blow people away. And um, really happy with how the the story uh, ends up. So you, if you've seen, you haven't read the first issue, no. But the very first page, the very first issue, uh, it's going to come back to that, which is one of the unicorns lying in a field talking about his impending death and you're going to see it's going to come right back to that. I gotta, I gotta get him. I got, I got, <laughs> I gotta go to scoutcomics.com, which will be in our uh, thread of this issue or this episode and all that fun jazz and go to your local comic shops, but also yes, by the horns has been congratulations again to becoming an ongoing series with scout. Hopefully it is the, the longest ongoing series for scout. And then, uh, like we said, we'll, we'll just do shout outs. Of course we had, um, Marky San Naso story and direction, uh, Jason Murr, who's working like a dog being the artist letterer and also, you know, co-creator. <laughs> and, and then you said colorist is and effects is by Andrade. Um, Tabaku, Andre Tabakaru, Tabakaro. But yes, uh, thank you for coming on the show. It's been fun. I also do enjoy talking, even just about comics and metal. It's always fun. Yeah, thanks for having me, Mike. I really appreciate it. Yeah, and then uh, would you mind telling the people your social medias, and uh, we can get out. Oh, of sure. Here. Yeah, I mean, my website's marcasan.com. It's M-A-R-K-I-S-A-N. And uh, I'm Darth San on Twitter and uh, Darth Marcuson on Instagram. Uh, if you want to stay in the know about By the Horns, 
You can follow us on social media for that. And the handle is by the horns comic on all the platforms. So Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, uh, you can listen to the metalheads podcast on your favorite podcast app, um, or just go to metalheadspodcast.com to play the episodes. Um, I've also written some features there, um, with interviews. I do a series called 10 horns that people can check out. And then, uh, last but not least, you can check out my record label, Skull Fracture Records at uh, skullfracturerecords.com. Um, there's vinyl soundtrack for, for Buy the Horns. Uh, we've sold out of the orange vinyl, but we still have blue and, and purple vinyl. Uh, on a 45, it comes with a limited edition uh, first print comic book. And uh, yeah, it's been really fun. That comes with issue one? Yes. Okay. Just, just curious. That's not going to say anything on air, but no, I'm just curious. I might look at it. <laughs> <Maybe look. laughs> you don't have issue one. That's a, that's a great way to do it. It does come with a download code too. So even if you can't spin vinyl, be a cool collector's item. And, um, uh, you can, you know, download the, the album in flack or MP3. So yeah. Get both great files. And, uh, you can get it on my website and I offer uh, signed versions or you can go to skull fracture records and, and pick it up there. So I sign everything for free. So, um, all right, and there you have it. And then, um, well, we don't do it as every show, but we're gonna put our horns up and say, you know, <laughs> um, be good to each other. And I'll see you next week. Peace. <laughs>